Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To all my bed crimers, I hope you guys are having a lovely day. To anyone new here, let me share a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, you find you enjoyed it. Please hit the like button and please consider subscribing. Now, let's get started. 54-year-old disgraced lawyer Alec Murdoch is currently being tried for the deaths of his wife, 52-year-old Margaret, and his son, 22-year-old Paul. Margaret and Paul both lost their lives on the evening of June 7, 2021, at the dog kennels on the family's sprawling 17-acre estate in Islandton, South Carolina, known as Moselle. This case is among the most disturbing because it involves a father and a husband, Alec Murdoch, who is accused of harming not only his wife, but also his adult child. Hearing of a husband taking his wife's life is not a surprise per se. Sadly, we hear about cases like this pretty much every day. What makes this crime in South Carolina so shocking is that it involves alleged filicide. Filicide is defined as the deliberate act of a parent taking the life of their own child. Alex Murdoch is also charged with taking his adult child, Paul's, life. Tragically, this happens somewhat regularly in the United States as well, although it normally involves young children, say babies and kids six and under. According to a study in the Journal of Forensic Science International, which took place over three decades in the United States, the average number of kids who die each year by their parents' hands is 500 and 13% of the victims are adults, specifically between the ages of 18 to 40. Who would ever think that an adult child would have to be concerned about losing their life to the hands of their parent? Today, I want to share the 10 most shocking details to come out of Alec Murdoch's trial thus far. At the end of this video, I'm going to play some body cam footage that was released from the court today. The video was taken at the Murdoch family home and property the day after Paul and Margaret lost their lives. It gives you a look inside the Murdoch residence and offers a feel for the sprawling property in South Carolina in the month of June. I'm telling you, I could almost feel the mosquitoes watching this footage. 1. Both victims, 52-year-old Margaret and her 22-year-old son Paul, had stippling on their skin. Gunpowder stippling cannot be wiped off, so there's no hiding this. It typically appears as numerous pin-sized abrasion injuries on a victim's skin. If a body displays stippling, it is indicative that he or she was shot at close range. Thus, whoever harmed Maggie and Paul was up close and personal when the dark deed occurred. 2. Both Paul and his mother 
were harmed with two different weapons. Paul was hit twice, once in the head and once in the chest, with a shotgun brimming with buckshot. Whoever harmed Paul wasn't messing around. And here is a rather gross and graphic detail. So if you find this type of thing disturbing, please stop listening right now. Paul's head injury was so significant that it led to his brain literally flying out of his skull and landing on the ground. His face, which was facing the ground when the police arrived, was the only part of his head that remained intact. How horrific is that? Margaret's injuries were no less significant. This poor lady was injured five times with a semi-automatic weapon, with some projectiles striking her after she'd already fallen to the ground. It appears that Margaret was running to evade her attacker when she fell. That attacker then came right up behind her and delivered a fatal injury to her head. Whoever did this made sure she and Paul would never breathe again or live to tell who did this to them. If it was the work of Alec Murdoch, and if Paul and Margaret saw him raise and point the weapons at them, one can only imagine their horror and sense of betrayal. 3. This crime is believed to have gone down within a five-minute time frame. Just minutes was all it took to silence Margaret and Paul Murdoch forever. In his opening statement, Prosecutor Creighton Waters said that Paul was harmed first at approximately 8.50 p.m. His mother, Margaret, was harmed just minutes later. Investigators were able to narrow down the timeline of the crime because Paul placed a call on his cell phone to his friend Rogan Gibson at 8.44 p.m. Five minutes later, at 8.49 p.m., Gibson sent Paul a text message that read, See if you can get a good picture of it. Marion wants to send it to a girl we know that's a vet. Get him to sit and stay. He shouldn't move around too much, end quote. The message believed to be about a dog that Paul was taking care of for Gibson went unanswered. In fact, from that point onward, neither Paul nor his mother Margaret ever responded to any messages or calls on their cell phones again. Gibson sent a follow-up text to Paul at 9.58 p.m., which read simply, Yo. After that, Gibson tried calling and texting Paul multiple times up until 10.08 p.m. Gibson even texted Paul's mother at 9.34 p.m. saying, Tell Paul to call me. Surprisingly, after that, Gibson had four missed calls from Paul's father, Alec, at 10.21 p.m., 10.24 p.m., 10.25 p.m., and 10.30 p.m. 4. A semi-automatic weapon and ammunition seized by SLED Senior Special Agent Jeff Croft from inside the Murdoch home, which is known as Moselle, matched the type of weapon and ammunition used on Margaret. Agent Croft testified that several empty boxes of ammunition were also found during searches of the Murdoch home on the day after the crime, June 8th, 
as well as a few days later on June 13th. Also seized was a credit card receipt for $1,021.10, an item that was purchased from the luxury brand Gucci. The item had been circled on the receipt, which makes you wonder who circled it and why. Finding a weapon and ammunition matching those used to harm Maggie inside the Murdoch home seems to point the finger straight at someone living there. But of course, Alex Murdoch's defense will be finding reasons why someone else could have accessed those items. Five, a potential footprint was spotted on Margaret's calf on the night of the crime. Unfortunately, the mark was not examined on the scene, and no impression of the imprint was taken. This makes you wonder if the perpetrator put his foot on Margaret's leg to hold her down or as a sign of dominance. It also makes you wonder why the crime scene investigators did not process that imprint. What the F? 6. When Alex Murdoch greeted the first responders to the scene on the night of the crime, he was wearing what appeared to be a clean T-shirt. It was white and it was spotless to the eye. However, testing done on that shirt would later reveal possible blood stains. However, those stains could also be from bleach or rust. Huh? 7. Alex Murdoch, when he dialed 911 to report the crime, told the operator that he touched his wife and son's bodies to check their pulses. He said this same thing to officers during his first police interview that night. In fact, Murdoch said he tried to move Paul's body, turn it over. Yet, when the officers arrived at the scene that night, Alex's clean hands and his clean white t-shirt indicated that he likely did not touch his wife and son. It makes you wonder if A, Alec Murdoch really did not commit this crime, or B, if Alec, when he went inside his home to grab a weapon for protection before the police arrived, quickly changed his clothes. Paul's body appeared to be surrounded not only by blood, but also by water, and it had not yet rained that night when the water was spotted. Some are theorizing that the perpetrator may have hosed himself off at that spot. 8. Alec Murdoch immediately told the first officer to the scene that his wife's and son's deaths were connected to a fatal boat crash that occurred in 2019, with Paul reportedly at the helm. That was the crash that led to 19-year-old Mallory Beach's untimely death. Was Alec Murdoch trying to push the narrative that someone associated with the boat crash wanted Paul, and possibly Margaret too, dead? You have to wonder. 9. The prosecutor's motive for why they believe Alec Murdoch harmed his wife and son was an attempt to distract from a rash of other scandals and crimes he's been accused of, namely allegedly committing a multi-million dollar fraud scheme against his family's own law firm and some of their clients. 
lending credence to this theory is the fact that the day before Margaret and Paul died, Alec was confronted by his family law firm about the alleged fraud. Alec has blamed much of his problems on a 20-year-long opioid addiction. And 10. Perhaps even more shocking than all of this is that Alec Murdoch has not only been charged with his wife and son's untimely demises at Moselle, he's also charged with more than a hundred counts from multiple indictments that allege he stole nearly $8.5 million at the law firm in fraud schemes that go back nearly a decade. One of those schemes included the Murdoch's longtime housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, who died in a mysterious fall at Moselle in 2018. By the way, Alec Murdoch also allegedly conspired to pay a hitman to do him in so that his remaining son, Buster, could inherit a $10 million life insurance payout. Buster, who boasts the same ketchup red hair as his brother Paul did, has been in court every day showing support for his father. You have to wonder what goes through Buster's head as he listens to the evidence shared and the witness's testimony. By the way, if you want to learn more about the many mysterious deaths surrounding the Murdochs, check out my playlist on the case, which is titled The Murdochs of South Carolina. It will bring you right up to the trial. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, did you enjoy this? Did you learn something? Please smash that like button, subscribe, leave me a comment, and be sure to watch the video of the Murdoch's property right now following this statement. See you next time. Down on by your feet. I need to collect them. I saw one over here. There's some two right there. Okay, yes, he actually spent crazy. I'm gonna get a dynamic. All right, go ahead and pick that one up. There's two, two. right there. Yep. They've been here a little while. Should yeah. be three hundred. There's one to your right. Yeah, 300, yep. Yeah. And... Right, it was... I think it's five total I saw.
could have been could have been wrong. I was just trying to discreetly just here to go. The orientation. Separately, don't rub them together too much. Yeah. Keep it from uh, scarring them. See if we can get one in each finger of this glove. It's a new glove. Yet I don't. My yes, I can find out and let you know. I'll step outside and call and see if they've already made. Yes, sir. Anyway, yep, I'll step outside. So I would imagine. Um, About a half hour ago, they have not started it yet. Is what Rich Harvey Corner told me. Okay, so that means they are in the process of doing it. They're already there. So, and they will come back home to y'all tonight. So then from there, you can. Um, 
Some of the tests take longer as far as yeah. any kind of toxicology or, or yeah. gun stuff, right. anything like that, that, that they may. be insensitive, but because there are two people, it will take a little bit longer. They will be able to return. They will be able to return the bodies to that, or to the funeral home. But there are other tests, toxicology, tissue samples, results like that. 